Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we have a request episode this week. Uh, this is actually kind of like a build-up to Thanksgiving in a way. Um, I mean, this is a Thanksgiving film, uh, and we do have another Thanksgiving film next week just in time for it. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're British, we don't know a lot about Thanksgiving, but we do have a lot of American listeners, so, you know, thought it was only right. Uh, this episode was requested by um, my good friend Xander, uh, who's also a regular listener. Um, Xander got me into low-budget horror films and such. Uh, when I was friends with him, I was in a band with him. We would have regular pizza, beer and film nights and we'd just put on the trashiest shit we could find. Um, but I watched this way before that. Uh, this is actually... A film I watched around the time when it was released. Uh, the film we're talking about is Alien Abduction, which is also known as Instant in Lake County and the McPherson Tape. So how did you watch it? So uh, I watched it when I was about six or seven years old. I can't remember if I watched it in 1998 or 1999. It was one of the two. Um, and basically my, my grandmother was babysitting me and we were flicking through sky movies and such and there was this film being premiered on sky movies that looked like it was one of those uh ufo documentaries and such and because obviously this is before blair witch um so it's not like everyone was well versed in found footage films and such and so we put this on and obviously with how young I was, if my nan knew it was a horror film, you know, we wouldn't have, she wouldn't have put it on. Um, she was a little more strict than my parents on that side of things. But we put this on thinking it was just a documentary. And, you know, we started it from the point where they first see the UFO. Um, so kind of thrown at the deep end. And we carried on. And of course, seen the interviews throughout. So we assumed it was just documentary and... Then it gets to the point where you, the ending happens, and honestly, I, the look of shock on my nan's face, <laughs> and the, it, the fear that it put in me was unbelievable, Like to the point that even when I watch it now, when that ending happens, I still get shivers, because of the nostalgia um, that I've got attached to this ending, it was just like... It was like nothing I'd ever seen because obviously we didn't think it was an actual film. Um, and when this happened, we were like, oh my God. And I, there was, I couldn't sleep for nights. I had nightmares about it. Fucking nightmares. I was being abducted by aliens. And it was just, you know, it was fucking terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. And then, of course, Blair Witch came after. Years after that, we got Paranormal Activity. And then we had a ton of fan footage films. So then, you, you know, I mean, over the years, because the internet wasn't around at that time either, but then, you know, as time went on and you realised it wasn't real and you realised some of the faults that the film has, it's, you know, partially, it's a bit of so bad it's good. So it's, it's quite a good mixture for me. I mean, I think it's quite scary and I think it's quite funny in parts because of, you know, how ridiculous some of it is. Uh, and Chris... I'd never heard of this film until I met you, uh, Gary. I, I'm, it's I'm, a very word-of-mouth film. I'm surprised that it was on Sky. Yeah. To be fair, I thought it was a bit of a um, below-the-radar sort of film. I'd, I'd never heard of it, never 
seen any mention of it anywhere before I'd met you. It is unusual that it was shown on Sky Movies because, I mean, Sky Movies is quite big budget, well-known, especially back then as well, in the 90s. To have made a big deal at the premiere. Yeah. Um, In America, it was broadcast on UPN, uh, which is the... Let me make sure I've got it right on my notes. United Paramount Network, following a program called Real Vampires Exposed, which was like a tabloid show... Uh, exposing vampires which people thought that was real as well so in a way this is kind of a similar story to ghost watch but it's one that i'm old enough to have remembered happening at, at the time um because there was a bit of controversy surrounding this uh that anyone who doesn't know about ghost watch go back and listen to our episodes a few i think it's about five episodes ago now yeah, a few weeks ago um you know to quickly sum it up uh, a live, a, a fake live TV show is broadcast on British TV in which a, a mass seance was produced and, you know, people committed suicide because of it. People wrote letters and complained to the BBC. And so, on. it was kind of like War of the Worlds, um, how that the controversy surrounded that. So this isn't too different. Um, it originally, this is directed by... Dean Aliotto, I think I'm pronouncing that right, on a 1.2 million budget, uh, made for TV, of course, and it's a remake of his own film, UFO Abduction. Uh, now, UFO Abduction was released in 1989, it's just an hour-long film, and basically somebody got hold of UFO Abduction when it was quite little known. I believe it was involved in some sort of fire. I heard that on the uh, the Horror Show podcast. They also covered this film. Um, and someone basically got this tape, removed the credits from it, and started circulating it, telling people it was real. They sent it to a UFO convention, and, of course, you're going to send this to a bunch of people who actually believe in this. They went fucking crazy. <laughs> they went crazy about it, and... Still to this day, people still believe that that original tape is real and that the director covered it up um, by remaking it uh, to make it look like it's not. I mean, obviously, that's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, we watched the uh, original, didn't we? Yeah. Um, I thought it was a bit boring. Well, the original is, is interesting because it plays heavily on the realism side of things. Like, it's... So dark, you could hardly see a thing. Yeah. And, you know, it's not the highest quality, because obviously it's a camcorder in the 80s, and everybody is talking at the same time. It, it's There's no script. Everyone's just talking over one another. It's a fucking mess. But at the same time, you look at it and you think, well, hang on, if someone was in that situation, that's what they would be like. Yeah, it adds to the realism. But it, it doesn't... But when you're watching it as a film, it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't necessarily make a good film. A couple of things I like, because obviously we're not going to go into full detail about the original, but a couple of things I like that they did with that one was how the little girl, obviously she acts weird in both of these, um, but in the original, the family actually leave the house, um, the mother, father and the daughter, and then they find the drawing she made of the alien, and then they quickly get on to come back in. That, I thought, was a bit more uh, effective and could have been actually done in the remake. And uh, I like the fact that they tried using the alien for bait as well after they killed him in this one uh, as a way of distracting them for them to escape. 
But that's really all I'm going to say about that one. And the, the aliens look ridiculous in the original as well. <laughs> they are children in bodysuits, <laughs> like rubber bodysuits. But, um, yeah, I mean, when it comes to this one, um, you know, the controversy was still there because, again, these are the days when this wasn't heard of. And uh, a woman actually wrote a letter into the director complaining because she was pregnant at the time of watching it and she believes that the director almost gave her a miscarriage. <laughs> Which is fucking insane. It's, you know... <laughs> I, I mean, you're going back, what, 21 years ago, so... Yeah. It, it's hard to relate sometimes <laughs> to what people thought back then. Yeah, which is why it's nice for this one that I actually can, because Ghostwatch, I mean, I couldn't. I was a fucking baby. Yeah. I'm, I mean, did We're you have Sky little... movies back then? No, no, no. Um... No, probably at the time this was coming out, I was still trying to beg my mum to let me watch Scream. <laughs> so I wouldn't have been watching anything like this. Yeah, I mean, there's three versions of this film as well. Not judging your upbringing there, Gary. <laughs> sure. There's three versions of this film. Um, there's one where it ends as uh it's kind of a re-edited version and it's the scene where tommy's in the bedroom and the alien puts him in some sort of trance and it ends there um i believe there's another version where it ends and they're outside and then there's this version which is kind of like a combination of both uh with extra footage added in because they needed to pad it out because the original version was only 45 minutes yeah yeah you definitely feel the padding out yeah being honest um it's it's interesting because I mean I seem to remember things a little differently from when I first watched it. Like I remember, and I, a few other people that have seen this have said the same thing. I seem to remember a different ending where the alien was a little closer to the camera and waved at it to stop it filming at the end, which could have possibly been that scene where he was in a trance. So I think I may have seen that version, <laughs> but the the one that we watched tonight is the ultimate. The, everything's included in it. That's the only one where you know it's all involved, and it's quite hard to get hold of. Um, you know, it, it's one of those, I mean, you can order DVDs directly from the director himself of the original and the remake. Oh, is that how they released it? Yeah. That's yeah, it's never had room, a... Isn't it? Yeah, so it, it is similar in the, to the room in the way of uh, how it's been distributed. It's never really had a proper distribution deal, which is shocking because it has got a bit of a cult following. But, um, but yeah, so... Shall we get into it? Yeah, yeah, let's go. So the plot is, after a mysterious blackout, a son goes out to investigate and captures footage of aliens who then follow him and his brother's home. We are given a Texas Chainsaw Massacre-style introduction. Ooh, certainly I wrote that down as well. <laughs> yes. So we get a, a scrolling text with voiceover um, informing us of what befell a 16-year-old boy one Thanksgiving... As he videotaped his family and alien abduction or, or whatever. It, it's alien abduction. Did it happen? Yes. Yeah. Alien abduction. Did it happen? And we are then introduced to a 
very close-up shot of 16-year-old Tommy's face looking like he's about 30. He does look a lot older than 16, it's to be fair. classic 90s horror, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he's dressed so 90s, and he looks so much older than he actually is. Oh, I mean, everybody in this film <laughs> serving pure 1998. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have to have told me that it was 1998. You'd just watch it, and you're like, mm, yeah, that's when this was made. Yeah. It's Thanksgiving, and the mother of the family is playing piano with her granddaughter, Rosie. And this is kind of like a, a good little introduction to most of them, um, you know, to make sure to get everyone out there straight away. Kurt and Linda, um, Rosie's parents, preparing dinner. And we get to see the mother of the family, who I believe her name is actually Rosalind, um, having her first glass of wine. First one of the film. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead now and count how many times <laughs> I've wrote wine. So we've got one. I stopped counting. <laughs> we got okay, about halfway into the film and I was like, I can't catch up. I can't keep up anymore with the wine. Yeah, I've honestly, it must be at least 20 times I've wrote this down. Yeah. It, <laughs> she's an alcoholic and it doesn't leave it to the imagination. We, we are constantly reminded that she is an alcoholic. This is the part of the film that I thought was maybe comedic. Like, they were trying to make it into a bit of a comedy. I think they were trying to be serious about her alcoholism. Even when she's running around, she's got a glass she, of wine in her hand. Yes. Yeah. It's portrayed in a comedic way, but I think they're actually trying to make it serious about, you know, how she's an alcoholic. Yeah, but you don't have to hammer her into every <laughs> single every time you see her she has a glass of wine in her hand and when she's not got a glass of wine now she no she's never not got a glass of wine she's hand. never not but got every, a glass or it's at least in the shot at least it, yeah at every time it's at least close by and then every other scene she's always trying to get them to have dinner like shit goes down there's like aliens breaking into the house and everything she's like well maybe we should have dinner now yeah <laughs> yeah but um so then, yeah, Kurt and Linda are preparing dinner, and they ask him to go and get... Uh, they ask Tom to go and get his brother Brian and his girlfriend Renee, um, but he catches them, his exact words, fornicating in the bathroom. Uh, why on earth would a 16-year-old <laughs> say fornicating? Uh, I've absolutely no idea. So, I that's not what I would have called it at 16. And it wasn't exactly fornicating. I mean, basically, Brian's just having a... A bit of a suck on Renee's boobs. She was, yeah. Blurred out boobs. Blurred out boobs. Well, the actress was going to show them for the film, and then she sort of backtracked. It was like, oh, what would my dad say if he watched the film? (laughs) So they they said, oh, well, what we'll do is you you, um, put a couple of pasties on, and we'll (laughs) censor it to make it look like you're topless. So, yeah, they're in the bathroom, and he's he's having a, a nibble. On her, her, her boobs. But then Tommy's there filming her. I'm like, what the that's fuck weird. would you want to watch your brother having yeah, sex? Yeah, that's weird. Like, that's just... I don't get it. Tommy's very... At the beginning, he's kind of annoying, isn't he? He's just, <laughs> he's just going around trying to annoy everyone. Which I wish someone with a video camera back in the 90s would have been exactly like that. I mean, probably, probably not filming the well, siblings having sex. No. But everything else is, is very... Very much... I mean, my dad had a video camera. He was a fucking same. He was just filming everything. And just trying to annoy me. Yeah, pretty much. Catch them on camera being a knob. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you listen to this, Dad, you know, 
No offence, but the, the the camera was, you know, here, there and everywhere. <laughs> oh, God. God, that was in my family. Oh, it was some really cringy home videos. I can imagine. Yeah, I, I think they've probably been burnt now. I'm glad the camera <laughs> phones didn't exist when I was younger. <laughs> well, that's the thing, it's not camcorders now. I mean, imagine, does anyone even sell camcorders now? I think it's just all phones, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think they would sell camcorders, but they would be like... More just, professional. They, they'd be professional ones. They'd be super high quality. Yeah. And you wouldn't just randomly get, you know, someone filming <laughs> not like, on there. Oh, phone. we'll go for a day out today. Let's film every bit of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be a little strange. Oh, yeah, so um, obviously Brian's fucking fuming with Tommy trying to catch him having sex or fornicating. Um chased him down Taz and to erase it which he says he did but he clearly never so he was going to revisit that um <laughs> then we go back downstairs and the lights go out we have a power cut Ooh. and a big blue flash outside yes and after this they want to go and investigate and Mal the other sister turns up oh she finally turns up she's always late that she's night. always late she's always late that but night. her outfit was slain the game she is giving Rose McGowan mm-hmm in Jawbreaker. Yeah. She's absolutely slaying. She's got the hair. She's got the makeup. She's got a little uh, handkerchief around her. <laughs> uh, her neck. She, she's looking good. Feeling gorgeous. And she has herself a new man. By the name of Matthew. Now, Matthew turns up. He is so lovely. He's shaking everyone's hand. He's being really nice and everything. No reason to dislike the guy. Matthew is an African-American gentleman, um, which is very important. And he gets to meet everybody. Then he goes to Kurt and holds his hand up to shake his hand. And Kurt refuses. Point blank refuses to shake his hand. Yeah. And, Kurt is a massive racist, basically. Yeah, I thought this was a bit weird. I, I feel like the screenwriter was sort of like, OK, so we need to give everyone a character. Yeah. You know, uh, we're going to be with them throughout the film, so everybody needs to have their character traits. Let's make this one racist. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's, just, just, let's just make him racist. It's like, make him more of a villain than the fucking aliens. I mean, they abduct everybody, but, you know, at least they uh, showed equal opportunity. Well, that's the thing. You kind of, <laughs> you're like, when's Curtis going to get it? Kind of waiting. Yeah, so, um, he's like, Matt. And <laughs> Matthew's like, uh, actually, my name is Matthew. He's like, Matthew, right, let's go outside. Oh my lord, so he's got a major attitude. Yeah, so they go outside to uh, investigate and they have a little chat. And uh, Brian's like, Oh, what about this Matthew guy, he seems really nice. And uh, Kurt's like, He's got a major attitude problem. And then uh, Brian's like, What? Because he's doing our sister. Like, what is it with everyone talking I about know. their siblings having sex well, in this film? Not necessary. And then Kurt's like, Oh, she should have told us he was black. Why? <laughs> Why should she have had to have told you he was black? Well, it's just... I don't know. It's just sort of... I felt that was a bit forced. Yeah. I was like, if you're not going to take it anywhere... <laughs> and it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> it's just for the first part of the film, this Curtis is a racist. Yeah. So, but then, you know, it doesn't sort of go anywhere after that. It's no. Just like, he's just a racist. Oh, okay. So they go and check the fuse box, uh, which has been melted, um, completely fried, and then we see an explosion. 
which the uh, you know i mean we <laughs> white people in a horror film let's go and investigate <laughs> so um they go to investigate and tommy at this point reveals that their mother has a drinking problem surprise <laughs> yeah this is all we needed, though, and I, I don't... Yeah, it, this line of dialogue's good. It, it's it's a good bit of exposition. Yeah, um, I don't exposition. necessarily... The problem is, it's going to come across that I hated this film, and I, I didn't think it was fantastic in any sort of way. For me, it's closer to the trash-to-piece size uh, side of uh, our podcast. Um, but th- this is... All, we saw her with a glass of wine. Yeah. They're discussing her alcohol problem yeah that's all we needed really <laughs> you know we could, could have just had a little nightmare on elm street where she hides a bottle of vodka in the airing <laughs> cupboard but, you know it could have had that later on and we would have known not she has a glass of wine in every yeah. seat she's in and we find out that the reason she's an alcoholic is because her husband recently died and you know, we get a bit of... And it's, it's a nice bit of back and forth between the brothers. He, he's very believable. Um, it's You know, the acting in this film isn't awful. It, it isn't... It's believable that these are actually fucking people. But, I mean, obviously, if that was, you know, acting in any other film, that'd be a problem. Um, do you agree? Yeah, there are moments where the acting goes a little iffy. Um, Mainly Linda, when she's having a breakdown. Yeah, yeah, I do... Yeah... Um, but overall, they they do a good job. They're, they're believable as yeah people, which is what you need in a found footage film. Um, so they get a lot of uh, this. Uh, they call it a transformer. What would we call that in the UK? What's the tra- the big um, electricity? Thing? Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't really sure what that was because it looked like like a telephone wire. Yeah. And they would call it a transformer. They called it a transformer. I don't know what we'd call it. Uh, at least you know all the Americans doesn't know what we're talking about. Yeah, we have no electrical idea. cable thing. I don't know. Well, it's exploding and such, and um, they spot a giant UFO. And I think this is where the one point two million dollar budget went. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, at this point, you know, if you'd seen something like that you you wouldn't stick around i i know i wouldn't i'd immediately run back like okay time to go because you know straight away from looking at it, that's a fucking ufo there's there's no question in it and a very good design as well i mean a bit over the top it's, it's fucking huge do you prefer the it ufo was... in this or spice world <laughs> i prefer the ufo in this um but it, it's round isn't it it's not it's not like a saucer, is it? No, no, and that's the thing. It doesn't look like a standard. Yeah, um, I appreciated that. To be fair, it's it. They didn't go for the uh, usual flying oh my saucer God. shape. This was released around the same time as Spice World. They could have been filming the Spice Girls meeting the aliens. It could have that's been. what this could have been. It could well, be a crossover. Saved them a lot of money, to be fair. <laughs> so they, um, yeah, so they spot the UFO. The aliens are walking around it. You see some in the window, which I thought was a nice little addition. Um, they're walking around it, and they're going up to a cow. And they've got their laser pen gun thing. Yeah, I don't know what it was. Laser That's gun. That's one thing that bugs me about this film. It's the fucking late the use of the lasers in it. I think that kind of takes you out of it a little bit. I think, you know, this scene is genuinely quite atmospheric. They've got a lot of smoke there. 
you know, I mean, obviously, like I said, when I watched it originally, just the scene we started on, it was like, oh, my God, this is fucking terrifying. Um, and so, you know, they're walking around slowly and that, and they shine this fucking laser on a cow. Apparently, they're cutting it open. Um, then they spot the brothers, and they shine the laser up at them and shoot Brian's hand. And then we cut to our first interview. Yeah, this is something throughout the film and that I'll, I'll bring up. Is that when there's moments of sort of, like, intense moments, it cuts to an interview? I know why. Um, why? From listening to the horror show talking about it, I think, if I remember right, they said this would have been their commercial breaks. Oh, I see. So then it would either be the interview and then the commercial break, or the other way around. It'd be a commercial break, then the interview would be after. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, when I watched on Sky movies, they didn't do ad breaks, so no. I didn't. I've never seen that side of it. But if you can imagine watching this in nineteen ninety eight, you see that happening, you have to wait like five minutes for advertisements. <laughs> I suppose watching it as a whole, maybe, maybe it, it is. Yeah, that makes sense, to be fair. Because I, I just... It confused me, because you'd have this moment of high intensity. Yeah. Then it would cut to some person talking about something that was unrelated to the scene that was happening. But I think the interviews were to make it look like a documentary. And yeah, it, no, it fucking worked. I mean, we thought it was a documentary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I understand that. It just sort of takes you out a little bit. Yeah. I thought. It's kind of like... Um, what Hell House, uh, the first Hell House film that mm. kind of spliced in between, yeah, interviews and such. I mean that did it a lot better, I think. But you know, I mean that uses a lot of modern day technology in it and like camera phone footage and such. Um, whereas this was just like a straight up documentary. Uh, the first interview is with Sheriff Kent Filson. Now this is the most pointless one out of all of them because they literally cut to him and he's like. I have no comment about the current situation. Back to the film. He's like, what yeah, the fuck? What, what did you have an interview for? Yeah. <laughs> he, just, he doesn't wish to comment on whether the McPhersons were abducted or not. It's like, okay, great. Then why the fuck did they interview you? So, you cut back and the brothers are now running back to the house. There's some more wine. There is some tra- more wine. Um, and they try warning everybody that, you know, they've seen aliens and like, yeah, whatever, shut up. I did find it really weird. Like, why is no one believing them? That Curtis had so far been seen to be quite an intense yeah, guy. This is exactly why it should they should have believed them. Exactly. Yeah. Because this Curtis, he doesn't come across as somebody who would, you know... Um, perform a, a practical joke yeah he is the most miserable serious yeah. person the dude quite clearly has been shot in the hand by some yeah i i know it's a, a little ridiculous you know there'd be certain people in all of our lives who if they said it would be like oh you know you're taking the piss but at least be like just, you know are you sure it was yeah. aliens obviously you've seen something yeah but they don't believe they've seen a thing no they were like oh you boys like, yeah. Um, no, I don't, I probably believe them slightly. Do you see? But then we see another blue light, which I mean, surely something would click then. Like, oh, hang on a minute, they've just said they've seen aliens. There's another flash. What the fuck's going on? <laughs> Instead, the mother of the family is with a glass of wine in her hand, like, 
why don't we all have dinner? <laughs> well, they were like, what should we do? And she's like, what What we should do is like the Thanksgiving candle. That's what we should do. Yeah, so they... Uh, so they do. <laughs> they all sit down at the dinner table. They like the Thanksgiving candle. And um, so I don't know if this is a thing in America. but um, the I, basic, didn't, I didn't think this was a, a I've real never thing. Heard of I, I, I didn't realise there was a candle that they passed around. Yeah. I knew that they would sit there and, you know, say, oh, well, I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for. But I didn't realise there was a candle passing involved. Imagine if our fumbers did this. Oh, God. <laughs> That's not very British. So, they like this Thanksgiving <laughs> candle. Sat there at the dinner table. So, I'm thankful for. <laughs> I cannot imagine that. What, what would you be thankful for? What? This Thanksgiving? Yeah. Um, I'm thankful that... I don't have to watch this film again after tonight. <laughs> what are you thankful for? Um, I'm thankful for... Oh, Fucking, I can't do it. Mal, you do it. Oh. <laughs> I wonder where you were going. Sorry, though. that was my impression was like, why of... Why uh, the fucking question if you haven't got an answer for that, no, that was my impression of, uh, of Kurt. I'm thankful for all the trash the pieces we get to watch for this podcast. Oh, God. Including next week's Thanksgiving film, which you... Well, it's uh, Home... Is it Home Sweet Home? Home Sweet Home. Home Sweet Home. Yeah. Spoiler alert, we usually leave that till the end. Well, you know... Thanksgiving. Well, anyway. <laughs> so, back to my little impression of Kurt. The reason I did that is because Linda gives this lovely, really heartfelt message. Um, now, I mean, she's Kurt's girlfriend. She doesn't have to do this. She talks about their dad dying and, you know, how she's grateful for all the hard work that Kurt puts in and everything. She passes in the candle and she's like, fuck it, I can't do this. It's like, oh my God, at least say something nice to her. And he just turns to Mal and he's about to say something, but then fucking alien walks past him in the window. The whole idea is that you have to say something to the person on your right, I felt. I just thought you had to say nice things in general. No, I feel like you have to direct it to the person on your right. So he was forced to direct it towards Mal, but Mal's destroyed the family by bringing this African-American boyfriend (laughs) on the scene. And uh, therefore, he he just can't. He can't say anything nice about her. No. Oh, God. This guy. Um, and then, yeah, so this alien walks. Saved by the alien. Saved by the alien. Uh, walking by in the window behind him. Uh, Tommy, the cameraman, notices this. Yeah. So they then flip out. Yeah, they all go and grab some guns. Very, uh, very curt. It's a very curt thing to do, isn't it? Like... You can imagine him being... Like, I'm surprised he's not like a hillbilly type character. He comes across as that, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I don't really get um, from this film. I don't know where... They, are they on a farm? I think so. Why is there no one nearby? Yeah, Why? it is in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But um. But I feel like there's no farming going on. But then there must be a farm nearby for that cow. Yeah. They have got neighbours nearby. So that's why are they the, the only ones that were to. abducted? Because they interrupted the aliens. Oh, okay. So if, if they didn't go and fucking go spying on them, and, you know, if they didn't make the noise and make themselves aware, and make, make the aliens aware that they were there, then they never would have been abducted. And that's what one of the interviewers says, uh, interviewees says later in the film. Oh, I see. But, um, yeah, the alien walks past the window, which is a cool... 
But then Shot. did nobody was there nobody else nearby? Did nobody else go to investigate? Well, I mean, surely it wasn't just their power. Well, it was a neighbour's cow, so maybe the neighbour's already adopted. Who knows? Mm. Okay. I think you're looking far too much into it. Maybe. Well, <laughs> they want me to believe this is real. Well, so, they don't, actually, because you get fucking credits at the end. Yeah. <laughs> it's just dumb people that thought it was real. <laughs> but, um... Go fuck yourself. Yeah. I was six years old. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> So the alien walks past the window, which is quite a creepy shot. Um, Kirk grabs the guns, and Matthew and Mal having a bit of a giggle about it. Of course, Kurt is fucking triggered by this. Yes, yes. So he uh, he starts... Looks like he's dying to say something a little racist to him, and Matthew yeah. picks up and he's like, go on, say what you want to say. And he's like, uh, you, oh, piece of shit. And he's, yeah, he just... Like, Get that gun out of my face. What's wrong with you? <laughs> So, um... Get those guns away from my face. <laughs> this is a perfect moment for another glass of wine. Yes, another <laughs> glass of wine. <laughs> so... Yes, we get it. She's an alcoholic. We understand. So, Tommy shows everyone a photo. You should have done about ten minutes ago. That's... Okay. That is one thing that really pissed me off. Because <laughs> I'm sat there... And no one's believing them. And I'll just show them the footage. Yeah. I'm like, you've got it on camera. Just show them the footage. So it takes no, no, no. a, a little We're going to sit down and we're going to do Thanksgiving. <laughs> Pass the candle. And then uh, <laughs> then they realise, oh, why don't you just show the footage? Oh, yeah. Great yeah. idea. Great so idea. they show the footage. And then we realise that this is another great opportunity for a glass of wine. <laughs> another glass of wine. <laughs> And obviously, it, it's quite funny how they're like, before this, they don't believe in everything. As soon as it shows on the footage, you go back and everyone is fucking shitting themselves now. And this is the moment where they should have just left. Yeah. But she, I mean, they do try. They do try. But before they do, obviously it's time for another glass of wine. But it's also time for some more dinner. Because the mum's like, oh, maybe we should just carry on having dinner. What the fuck? You've just watched the footage back and you've watched the aliens. <laughs> Why do you want... It doesn't make no sense. What about all the food? <laughs> uh, I know. So, Renee spots one in the window. And they do say that, that they, you know, we've got to leave. Renee spots one in the window. And everyone can hear this loud noise. Um, then there's, like, gunshots. And two things are shot within the room. And then we get another interview with Damien Hawkins, who is actually played by the director of this film. Oh. Which is quite funny because... <laughs> He's supposedly a special effects expert and everything. He's like, oh, no, this is not a hoax. He goes, uh, if this is a hoax, then I'm annoyed because I should have been the one who directed it. Which he did. (laughs) (laughs) I look 20 years old. (laughs) So um, after what? Well, then Heather Langenkamp says I look 20 years old. What's that going to do with this? Because it's that same sort of joke, isn't it? In joke. Okay, yes, true. Uh, we cut back to the house, and uh, Kurt says he's going to bring the truck around the front, to which <laughs> the mother says, but what about the food? Yeah. <laughs> you taking it with one, to be fair. It's true. So, Kurt and Tommy go outside to go and grab the truck, and Tommy's pissed himself. Yeah, so Tommy's wet himself in all the excitement, and uh, Kurt goes, oh, I won't tell anyone. Well, Tommy's actually wearing quite a light <laughs> uh, It's very visible. A very visible piss stain. 
And uh, so mm, maybe he didn't need to tell everyone. And he must have stunk. Oh, yeah. Well, if you, I'm sorry, no. If you piss yourself, it's going to stink. Yeah, it depends how long it's been there for. Let's not go into the sciences of pissing yourself. <laughs> um, well, the car battery's fried. Um, the aliens have had their uh, their way with that as well. And... Um, <laughs> Their way with it. Well, they haven't fucked a car battery. <laughs> they they shot the car battery basically. Um, so they go back into the house, tell everyone, and then you can hear footsteps on the roof, and their watches stop. And this is one one of the more intense moments in the film because I mean, you know, this is genuinely, you know, this is some actual horror elements. Um, this is one of the moments you can take a little more seriously. Until you see uh, one of the aliens popping their leg through the window. <laughs> what? <Tell me laughs> when Tommy that. goes outside and he looks up and you can just see him like jumping through the window, you see his leg going through. Really? Yeah. I missed that part. <laughs> you just see his alien leg go through I a window. I did question why everybody was wearing a watch. Well, why not? Well, I didn't think watches have been that popular, but everybody in the room was wearing a watch. Yeah. Mm, I just thought it was a bit weird. <laughs> well, the alien comes in, um, and then Tommy and Kurt go upstairs to investigate. Tommy goes to change his pants, and uh, he puts the camera down in front of himself. Yeah, he films himself changing trousers <laughs> um, for some reason. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, so he, he puts on a nice pair of <laughs> camouflage trousers, doesn't he? I thought he just had no legs. Oh. Um, but yeah, <laughs> serving even more 1998 with a pair of uh, camouflage yes. pantaloons. And then we have our original ending. Um, he goes to close, goes to leave the bedroom. The bedroom door closes, and the alien's like attached to the door. He goes back with the door. Yeah, I don't really know. Was he behind the door? He looked like he was remember. behind the door. I don't know if he was just closing it. It looked like, it. It looked like he was attached to it. Yeah. Um, so the lights go out. And again, another genuinely creepy moment. Um, because of the way they did the lighting in the scene, the lighting was fantastic in this. Because you can just see the outline of the alien's head. And he... The alien just, like, grabs the camera. Kind of, like, investigates it. And um, you see Tommy's obviously in some sort of trance of him. Uh, puts it back in Tommy's hand. And then tries to escape... But uh, Kurt has better ideas, and he traps him in a room. Yeah, so I, this bit, I didn't... So we led to believe that Tommy had obviously had a close encounter. Yeah, but uh, he was, like, put in a trance, so... So that's why he doesn't really refer to it afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Mm, um, yeah, so the alien leaves Tommy's bedroom... Try sneaking off. After watching him get changed. <laughs> and uh, Kurt manages to trap him in the mum's bedroom uh, with all the, <laughs> all the wine. empty <laughs> wine bottles and vodka bottles. You see the aliens stumbling out after. Yeah. Let's <laughs> uh, not make us making light of alcoholism. Um, but, uh, you know, this, this, film, this film does... Uh, does take it way too over the top. Uh, so, yeah. So, this alien's trapped in the mum's bedroom. And then we get the best interview from the whole film. Musician Julian Bond. What was the point of this? British musician who is dressed like Scary Spice. 
from the Spice Girls. <laughs> and he sits there talking about his experience of aliens... Um, I, I, I kind of got the picture he'd been abducted before. He's very vague about yeah. it. Yeah, he? he lights up a fag and he's like, uh, "You don't know what it's like with some of those big-headed wankers. Big-headed wankers. Big-headed wankers come down and take you into their light. It's fucking, it's mental, mate. Something I like that. I just really don't get it. <laughs> what that was for. So, so then, um, yeah. So the aliens trapped in the room. Another glass of wine. This is the right occasion for it. Um, I ain't being funny. So she must have been for at least one bottle by this point. Oh, yeah. Unless it's the same glass. I I can't believe that's the same glass. It can't be. She must have been through. In fairness, you only actually see her pour a glass once. Um, Oh, no, twice. Oh, no, once, once it happens off screen. Um... But, yes, you only actually see her pour a glass of wine once. But surely this can't be the same glass of wine. If that is the same glass, imagine how pissed off she is that every time she goes to drink it, something happens. But if it's a fresh glass each time, as I believe there is, (laughs) I mean... (laughs) How she run around the house? I was going to say, I've been passed out. (laughs) I've been slurring my words. (laughs) I'd be like after fucking three glasses, let alone like the amount she has in this film. I ain't too great with wine personally, but even if I was, I still feel that, you know, by the end of the film, she's at least two bottles down. I can't look on that. You know, there's no way anyone could have that much wine <laughs> and be and be okay with I'm it. Steaming. <laughs> I mean, imagine being pissed up as well and seeing like there's fucking aliens in your house. Mm. <laughs> she must be having the worst time. So. <laughs> So they trap the alien, um, they tie it up with the door up with some rope, and the alien tries escaping. Um, and Kurt ain't having it, so uh, he shoots the door, and uh, Tommy says, Look at that hole. Huh? D- How do you not know what I'm talking about? You found it hilarious. Oh, yeah, a very mature giggle from myself, actually. But... Uh, he has every right to admire that hole because that is a perfectly rounded hole in the door. That is actually like it, it looks like a drawing. It does. <laughs> so there's a well, pers- was, no. Was it the alien's hole or the Kurt's hole? Whoa! What? That was perfectly round. <laughs> we still about the door. Yeah. <laughs> when he shoots the door. Yes. Yeah, no. You're saying it's perfectly round, so is it the There's the a bit hole... of both. There's two, isn't there? It's like a pair of yeah. sizes. There's a big hole for Kurt, and there's a little one for the alien oh, next I to see. it. Um, Kurt starts having a nosebleed from the excitement of the perfect hole he just shot. Um, the fire alarm goes off, and they open the door, and the alien's sitting there dead on the floor. Um, Matthew, being a medical expert... Did, did I miss this? Is he actually a doctor? I feel like... I missed it too. I think there must have been a throwaway line because about him being a doctor. he's always seen, or, or he's a student uh, to become a doctor. Yeah. Because I feel like he's always the go-to person um, when it comes to them seeking medical advice. Well, he, he checks for a pulse. <laughs> I don't know, I find this so funny. He's fucking checking an alien for a pulse. I mean, would they have a pulse? I don't, he, well, I suppose where you would go to if you wanted to check if it's still alive uh, they call it yeah he's dead put a blanket over him um, and Rosie is, is reassures him that there's nothing to be afraid of um, 
which is our first sign of Rosie acting a little strange. Um, Rosie being the daughter. Yeah, yeah, the youngest one. The um, so they cover up the door uh, with a bookshelf, and they go downstairs, and they're like, okay, it's time to leave now. And Rosie does not want to leave and runs back upstairs because she wants to see the alien. Mm. And, you know, this is great acting from this young actress. I mean, kid actors can be very fucking hit or miss, especially yeah. when you're in a low-budget film like this. But she really, you know, she does a great job. She's really creepy. Um, and, you know, she really wants to see this alien. She's desperate to. Uh, and then everyone starts getting nosebleeds. And someone's like, totally, totally. I still don't know who that was. In what respect? When they're having nosebleeds. Oh. Again, we noticed this, Chris. Yeah, I just... I can't really remember who that was. It may have been Renee. Because you don't really hear her talk a lot in the film. So. No. No. She's a bit forgettable. Yeah. Well, someone starts shouting totally, like they're PJ Souls in Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're trying to find, you know, something to put on the nose or something nosebleed. And... The mother is so fucking offended that Tommy is using her good dishcloth. Yes. Not her best dishcloth. I know. <laughs> so look at that. Do you know what? Just bleed to death. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> so Mel wants to go outside with Brian and Coke because they're going to go and get the tractor. I feel really bad for Mel because every time she wants to go outside, no one ever lets her go she outside. She is so fierce. She really wants to get involved. For the whole film, every time she wants to go outside. I mean, Tommy, you know... Pissing himself with his camcorders allowed outside. <laughs> but poor Mel is never allowed to go outside. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, at this point, they should just throw a bit of shade. It's like, oh, because I'm a woman. But yeah. It's probably fucking, why, You yeah. fucking tell him, Mel. But uh, it's probably why. I mean, you know how Kurt works, his mentality. Um, so, yeah, she's not allowed to go outside. And then Renee gets shot by their laser. Was she shot? Is that what... Yeah. I just thought she got knocked out. No, she she was shot by the laser gun thing. Okay. Which, they used to burn open a cow, right? They used to burn Brian's hand. Why does she have no burn mark when they, uh... Yeah. They fucking burnt a hole in a door. Where did they it. shoot her? In the chest. Did they? Yeah. Were you watching the film? Yes, I was. <laughs> yes, I was. I was watching the film. I didn't... Well... I suppose because there was no burn or anything. Yeah. Then I didn't really realise she just sort of like, ooh, and collapsed. Then we get another interview. This time we get Josh Arnett, who calls it a fake. Josh Hartnett? Josh Arnett. Not not to be confused with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis' son from Halloween H2O. (laughs) It's uh, Josh Arnett, without a H. And... um, he calls it a fake, which I thought was probably one of the better interviews because that way, if you're watching this and, you know, you think they're trying to, it is a fake, they're trying to make it look real, you're not going to think someone's going to be on there like, oh, this is fake. Mm. So yeah. I, I thought that was a little more necessary. Well, it's more necessary than fucking Julian Bond. <laughs> um, and he's, he, but then he goes on about some shit about the pixels and it ruins it. He's like, 
Oh, uh, it's so intense it burnt a hole in the pixel. Oh, fuck, shut up. Well, yeah, he said that for a home videotape, it was too, there were too many pixels. Like, seriously, you, do you really think anyone watching this is going to give a shit about the, the pixels? The intensity of the scene makes the it, makes it more pixels. It's like, shut the fuck up. Like... Just say it's a fake and that's it. Great, move on. <laughs> if the police officer could have his interview last like five seconds, we've got no comment. Now you can just say it's a fake and move on from that. It is funny though because obviously watching it now, he's talking talking about oh the quality's too high and i'm sat here like looks like a bag of shit (laughs) (laughs) so renee um she you you know the version we watched is what i recorded from sky cinema like years ago is it yeah like i say years ago probably about 10 years ago now okay yeah that's why it looks like shit um but i kept it on my hard drive because the film's so fucking hard to get hold of uh so yeah, Renee, she has a pulse, unlike the alien, she has a yeah. pulse, but Brian blames Kurt for all of this, and they have a fight. Yeah, they have a little tussle, because uh, Brian blames Kurt, saying that he, if he hadn't shot the alien, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah, and... Kind of right, to be fair. It is, and then he's also going about, you know, if we didn't go out there and everything, I mean, that's kind of Tommy's fault, I mean, he's the one with the camera. Well, what, essentially what he's saying is that if they weren't, if, um... If maybe the aliens are more scared of them than they are of the aliens. Well, well because, it's a bit late for that now. Because Kurt just shot one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all out war now. <laughs> yeah. Um, Paul Rennie got it first. I know. The, the most forgettable right. one. She gets her boobs out and she gets mm-hmm. killed first. Classic horror film rules. Yeah. <laughs> um, there we are. And I can't believe the release is two years after Scream. After Scream laid all the rules out. Well, when there's a bit of murder, what is the first thing you need to do? Oh, something that hasn't been done much in the film. Maybe you grab a glass of wine. Of course you grab. <laughs> of course you grab a glass of wine. Um, so you know, mum grabs a glass of wine. Um. And then they, Kurt leaves, and he's like, look, if you hear three knocks on the door, you know it's me. So, he leaves, well, he goes to leave, but then his fucking psycho daughter, Rosie, is upstairs, again, trying to move the bookcase this time to free the alien. So, you know, Kurt's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And she's like, I'm fine, I'm fine. So, um, Brian and Kurt leave to go and get the tractor. And, you know, it's been a while, it's been a stressful day, so the mum thinks it's time for another glass of wine yeah. and a bit of dinner. So they sit down to get Rosie some white meat, and they keep making a point about Why Rosie having white meat. white meat? <laughs> like, oh, let's get Rosie some white meat. Rosie dropped some white meat. Oh, yeah. you enjoy that white meat, Rosie? Why are you calling it white meat? That's so strange. <laughs> like, it's a turkey, in it? Yeah. Just, just some turkey? Rosie dropped some turkey. <laughs> I don't get that. Is that an American thing? I I don't know. Please let us know. If we had a turkey on the table, we'd just say, oh, do you want want a slice of turkey? (laughs) Not white meat. So... What the fuck you call it white meat for? (laughs) It's my biggest bugbear with this film. What the fuck's white meat? (laughs) So the mother is offering Rosie some white meat. Stop saying white meat. Rosie does not want any white meat, and she keeps putting her hand up to say, okay... Fuck off, let me draw, and carry on colouring in this creepy picture. Yeah. I don't want no fucking white meat, alright? Um, she refuses to eat, then we have some more gunshots and a red light outside. And then, 
We've got another interview by Dr. Benjamin Green. Now, this is when he highlights Rose's behaviour and says that it's almost like she's possessed. That's basically the scriptwriter telling you she's possessed, by the way. <laughs> Just in case you haven't noticed. Would you say possessed? Yeah. Yeah? Like mind control. Okay. By the aliens. Yeah. What would you call it? Well, I don't know. I just thought maybe a sort of intuition that children have. You, you know when they said that children and sort of animals are the first to notice these things. Mm. Um, but yeah, I suppose possessed. Yeah, because everyone else is like going crazy and she's calm. Yeah. So. But then she's t- telling them that everything's okay. Yeah, exactly. So if she's possessed by the aliens, is that the aliens telling the family... Yeah, to keep them there and so they could go get them. Oh, okay. Which is why she lets them in at the end. Ah. Oh. Um, spoiler alert. Uh, so we cut back to the house and Rosie's now playing a bit of piano for everyone. But the only thing is, we as the audience can't hear it. You can just hear the, you just hear everyone in the house like, oh my god, Rosie, where did you learn to play like that? You know, it's so good. Uh, this is after Linda has a freak out and tries to leave. Uh, I mean, which yeah, Linda, I, this is where Linda starts to get on my nerves. She just does it every five minutes. I didn't even note it down. She's she just so keeps, often, yeah, she has a meltdown. But Matthew has the right way to calm her down. Yeah. <laughs> so this is part of the filler that I, I mentioned earlier, yeah. where they tried to pad out the film. To make it feature length. We see Rosie sitting down playing piano. But in the corner of your eye. <laughs> Linda and Matthew are getting it on on the sofa. <laughs> and. Yeah. This this is one of the things they said to uh, pad out the film. I wish it she was getting it on with the mother. The alcoholic mother. That, that would have been, been so good. much better. That would have been funny. Because they, they're obviously caught. And Mel goes. Uh, what are you doing? And he says, I thought it was you. So, oh, can't you see they're trying to screw with us? Yeah. Let's just rewind back to earlier. Oh, your family's crazy thinking there's aliens here. And now he's like, oh, okay, shit. I've been caught necking the, I've been caught necking the racist wife. Um, oh, it's the aliens. It's definitely the aliens. Yeah. I'd, I thought maybe it would have been creepier to not have something like that. Um, just maybe to keep it with the kid being possessed now, now that I, I realise it's I don't think they were even possessed I think uh, I think he was just doing it and using the aliens as an excuse mm, maybe <laughs> but no Matthew's a nice character I meant to like Matthew because Kurt's a piece of shit um, so we'll take it as the aliens um, then the battery's running out what does uh, the alcoholic mother think to this finally <laughs> yeah she, she's so glad. Um, but, you know, Tommy wants to change the battery, so he leaves his camera down. Again, one of the more creepier moments with the great acting from the actress who plays Rosie. Was she in anything else? Oh, I don't know. Do some investigating. Okay, well, she was a young child at the time, wasn't she? Yeah. Um, so... Because, I mean, a lot of the actors in this have actually been in quite a lot of other things. Um, I mean, Brian is in an upcoming film called Bombshell. So excited for Bombshell. Um, she was just in a couple of films afterwards in 2001. Nothing notable. So she would have been uh, Saving Silverman and The Lone Gunman. Never heard of either of them. Well, the director is actually making a Beatles biopic, like writing and producing, which is quite interesting. Um, he also directed a film called Portal with Heather Langenkamp. Yeah, that was well received. Yeah, think. I mean, it's a Leverage horror film from 2019 so 
We've seen a few of those this year. Too many of those this year. But, um, yeah, so Rosie uh, picks the shotgun up. Uh, I don't know if she's aware the camera's still on, but she picks the shotgun up and empties the bullet. It bullets into, uh, like, a dollhouse or whatever behind her, hides some. Yeah, nothing really comes of that, though. No one tries to use the shotgun, do they? No, but I think it's just the thought that if they need to use it, they're fucked because she's uh, yeah. hitting the bullets. I thought that would have come back but later on, though. But the batteries are back in the camera, and so is the wine in the glass. She's finally actually finished, she's finished the glass a on glass camera. of wine. She's finished it on camera, <laughs> and she asks Tommy to pass the bottle over. And uh, he tells her off for it because this is totally the time to call your mum out on her drinking <laughs> is when you're being, being harassed by aliens. And uh, yeah, so there's a little bit of an argument there. Yeah, and she tells him to stop treating her like an alcoholic. I don't know why you do that for. And the script needs to stop treating her like an alcoholic. We get it. So um, Renee starts foaming at the mouth. Uh, she starts having a seizure. Uh, she comes down and Tommy goes to get her a blanket and realise the bookcase has been moved and the alien has escaped. Dun, dun, dun. Alien is alive. A um, few more bits of Linda freaking out. Back and forth with the door. Uh, Matthew leaves. But no one really tries stopping him like they did with uh, Kurt and Brian. Yeah, they just sort of let him carry on didn't they even Mal to a certain extent like oh don't, no, don't go our resident medical expert <laughs> yes uh, then we get an interview with Eileen Burchess PhD and this is the one I always forget about um, this is probably the most forgettable one well I'm not sure actually because she's an anthropologist and uh, she says that the aliens might be collecting samples from what they believe to be a lower species yeah so, um, I mean, it's an is- interesting idea. I mean, it's not an original idea in terms of alien um, films and TV. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know why that just doesn't really stand out to me. Um, I mean, when you've got the likes of, uh, you know, Julian Bond, how are you going to remember everyone else? Well, yeah, n- none of these interviews are really groundbreaking. No. But um, we go back to the house, lights are switching on and off, and then the alcoholic mother thinks she's talking to Scott, her dead husband. Okay. <laughs> so she's imagining that her dead husband's there, and she's talking to him. I get it. How fucking tall was this husband? <laughs> she's looking up at the freaking ceiling. And what does she offer him? Glass of wine. No, she offers him a beer. Oh, a beer. She's like... Come sit down, I'll get you a nice cold glass of beer. Oh, God. And then Tommy starts waving his hand at us like, there's no one there, Mum. And she's like, don't you raise your hand to your father. <laughs> well, this whole... Okay, they're a bit harsh on her, to be fair. Because they, they've... Sort of the whole Matthew and Linda snogging on the couch thing was sort of like... They were like, oh, yeah, it probably was the aliens. Because it wasn't really... Mel wasn't really that angry afterwards. No one re- wasn't really dealt with. Just like, oh, okay. But then this poor mum, she's clearly having hallucinations about her dead husband, <laughs> the jolly green fucking giant. And, uh, 
<laughs> or is it Andre the Giant? I don't know. Somebody who's Slenderman. incredibly tall. And uh, they're all like, oh, yeah. yes, silly bitch. <laughs> <laughs> He's not there. There's no one there. He's dead, you silly cow. You've had too much fucking You've wine. You've had too much. You're pissed. You're pissed. <laughs> Go to bed, you stupid cow. It's a bit harsh. Like, Matthew was easily forgiven. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, but then they also let him go outside, basically get killed. Well, so, maybe that was his punishment. <laughs> so, everyone starts burning up after this, and they can't take it anymore, so then it's time for another glass of wine. Um, bites appear on the back of their necks, the door knocks, everything basically goes fucking crazy. Um, they go outside, and the shotgun has been burnt at the end. The one that Matthew takes out of him, which, I mean, would have been useless anyway, because there's no bullets in it. I know, yeah. Um... So they all go outside. Uh, they find the belongings of Kurt and Brian in the truck, and they realise, yep, yeah, they're fucked. Uh, the red light appears from a distance, and a really great shot. You can see the aliens, but it kind of distorts the camera, and you can see the aliens walking towards them, uh, which I thought was a very effective shot. The lighting in this film was very good, um, I found. It's one of the better sides to the filmmaking aspects of it. Um so they try and get back in, the front door's locked. They run round the corner, and she's still got a fucking glass of wine in her hand. She's running around. <laughs> glass of wine in her hand. There's um, actually aliens chasing them. And it's going to sound like we keep bringing up this glass of wine, but the fucking film keeps bringing up this it glass of wine. It is so... It, they really make such a point of it all the time. Oh, my God. This is where I thought it sort of became a bit of a parody. I thought... I thought that maybe there was a bit of comedy to the film. No, this is their way of dealing with alcoholism. There was intended to be comedy. <laughs> I did find it really strange. And this is very much filler now for me. Yeah. This is where they're trying to prolong. I think this was another way of ending it on one of the cuts, if I remember right. So they, they tend to be like in the house, things are going crazy. They go outside the house, things are going crazy. They go inside the house, they go outside. Yeah, they're they, very sort of Scooby-Doo-ish. Yeah, they, they go back in, the doors like unlock themselves. Rosie tells them the door's unlocked. Um, they go in, everything's going insane. Including Linda. She's like, stop it! She's fucking screaming the place down. Rosie interrupts her though with a bit of a... A bit of a mic dropper. Yeah, she's like, Renee's dead. Like, oh, yeah. oh shit, okay. <laughs> yeah, she's just like, Renee's dead. And then oh. we get another interview, because um, of course it's an intense moment, and it's with Colonel uh, Ronald Hampton. Colonel. Colonel. Yeah. Oh, great. Please ignore that. Um, I don't fucking know. Uh, so... Yeah, he thinks the aliens look accurate. No, I sorry, I take back about poor Eileen Birch's. This is the most forgettable one. It's like, oh, the aliens look accurate to what I've seen before. Yeah, that's it. The aliens, the aliens look accurate. <laughs> they look so much like actual aliens. Every single alien film that we've ever watched that we've that we've <laughs> covered up here in the government because um, this is what aliens would look like. <laughs> yeah, because one person who originated this look of aliens. Yeah. Just made them look this way. Um, so we go back. Mel is checking for a heartbeat. She's like, there's no heartbeat. And Rosie, best line of the film, 
Just turns to like, yeah, um, you can't hear a heartbeat because she's dead. Yeah. It's like, yes, Rosa, you fucking tell her. But Mel still progresses to performing yeah. really bad CPR on her. What do you think the mum does to help? Fuck all. No, incorrect. She glossed. <laughs> she's getting another glass of wine. <laughs> And then we switch between the scenes. Something else forgettable happens. And she grabs another glass of wine. Um, and then they sit down at the table. And Linda thinks the best topic of conversation right now would be her sex life. She's like, oh, me and Kurt, we used to uh, go in the pantry together and get it on. And then, then the mum's like, okay, hang on a second. What the fuck? It's like... Not in front of Rosie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not not any time. I, I don't think Kurt's mum needs to hear about that. No. Poor country. I don't know what that was an aid of. I don't know why they thought that was a good idea. Um, but then Rosie wants to play cards. She's like, okay, just before my mum starts talking about how I was conceived, um, let's play some cards. And so uh, Tommy goes and has what will soon become a Blair Witch moment. Uh, he sits in front of the camera. Oh, he does. Gives an emotional monologue. In front of a really ugly shower curtain. Yes. Yes, that... Does he put the seat up? No, put the seat down. Does he put the seat down? Yeah, he doesn't sit on the toilet. I thought... Well, he does sit on the toilet, but not the seat up. Yeah, I thought he put the seat up <laughs> to sit down. I was like, he's going to fall through. Oh. So he's not having a shit no. and a cry. He's not, he's not uh, pissed himself again. He's not pissed himself again. But he does have a very emotional monologue. He covers it all. He basically tells us everything that's happened in the film. Oh, yeah. Nice little update. For Recap. Everyone who may have lost interest. Previously on Alien Adduction. Yeah. Yeah. Nice little recap. So. <laughs> sat on the toilet. Finish it off by telling everyone how much he loves them. Well, no. No, he doesn't. He's very selective about who he loves. Oh, yeah. He loves everyone that survived. <laughs> yeah. Everyone that's dead can go fuck themselves. Yeah. But he's uh, he loves everyone who survived. He doesn't really know Matthew very well, but um, he doesn't love Curtis. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't love... Uh, Brian. The, the middle bro- brother. Yeah, he doesn't he love doesn't his dad love who died. He didn't love yeah. Rene. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but he, he did... Did he mention his dad? He mentioned his dad. He didn't say he loved him. He said he misses his dad. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, literally, he only loves the people who survived. Yeah. Um, up to that point. But then he goes back, and uh, they all tell him, look, just put the fucking camera down. So he puts it down. Yeah, no, it was crazy, wasn't it? Yeah. Uncle Tommy, it's time to put the camera down. And he's like, okay. So he puts it on a tilt, and this is when the ending begins. We get them playing Go Fish. Rosie starts playing Invisible Piano again. Um, we, where we can't hear it, and they're like, "Look, will you fucking stop playing that piano," because he's got a headache. Um, she stops playing. She goes in. Um, and she's like, "Let's all go outside now." I'm like, well, no, let's not. Uh, and Linda's like, "Well, what if Kurt comes back?" She's like, "No, he's not coming back." It's like, finish the deal. Finish they playing cards. Well, they kind of didn't really react to her saying that no, he's not coming back. they just ignored her. Kind of. I, I thought that was a bit weird because I I got the impression that they hadn't completely lost it by them. Yeah. Um, but they're still playing cards. Yeah, still playing cards. Um, so they weren't possessed at that point. So to hear her say, oh, he ain't coming back. Yeah, you'd be like... They just didn't what? react to it. I was like, oh, okay. So they say, look... Why don't you come play cards with us, Rose? And she's like, I've got other things to take care of. <laughs> and that's that voice. And then uh, she walks off, 
and the red light comes through the door. And now this is where every time this happens, I get fucking shivers because I remember this happening. Can like... I just mention something before? You can. Now, Tommy's obviously had his little toilet cry and he comes back in and he's sniffling. Yeah. But he's sniffling constantly. <laughs> it's fucking getting on my nerves. <laughs> <laughs> for like the last fucking five minutes of the film it's <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell and like just kill him already <laughs> so sorry he has the sniffles no one offers him a tissue no no one offers him a fucking tissue really get it really takes me out of the scene because it's getting on my nerves well I, I've never even noticed it until you said it tonight yeah, nothing takes me out of the scene it's just this is just terrifying this is like up there with some of the best found footage moments for me like the red light appears you see their shadows and i just remember watching this as a six-year-old and i couldn't even look at my nan's doorway after i was like oh my fucking god you know what's gonna fucking happen like this is fucking horrible and they walk through and the acting in this scene is really good like everyone's fucking screaming and whatnot and then they stop because the aliens obviously put them in a trance like they did with Tommy earlier in the film and they make them go with them. Um, I mean, look, fucking do nothing to Rosie. She just goes like, yeah, cool. Um, and, you know, they all go quiet. Tommy's still screaming for quite a while. Then they shut him up as well. And the alien waves his hand at the camera and it ends to a title card saying, if you've seen these people, please call the following number. I thought that was a nice little touch, mm. actually. Yeah. And then it goes through photos of the cast. Yeah, a lot of them uh, don't even look like it's actually them. They must have <laughs> taken some sort of group photo. Yeah. Uh, maybe before f- or after filming. Um, and then sort of focused on each of the characters. And Except for Rosie. Kind of like a school photo for Rosie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I thought that was a nice little touch at the end. Yeah. So that's alien abduction. Yes, that's alien abduction. Um, Do you appreciate the horror elements in it? No. Oh, not even the ending? Um, not really. I think my problem is uh, with the ending is that the aliens look like every other alien I've ever seen on screen. Do you know what I mean? They, it just looked really fake. Yeah, but Ronald Hampton says that's why they look real. <laughs> I just, he did say that, actually. Um, but no, I just, I don't know, maybe I'm an old cynic or, I have no nostalgia attached to this film. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Um, I don't really, it... I believe Xander would have actually watched this around the same time as I would have, um, so I think he also has that nostalgia there. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't feel it was, I, I suppose the whole found footage thing was very new at the time, I'm not a massive fan of found footage films anyway. Um, as Gary is well aware. I think we need to do an episode on it because, I mean, obviously we both have very different opinions. So I think it'd be interesting to do one where we put both across. Yeah. I just, it just, you know, felt really fake, you know, but I didn't watch it until this year. So maybe if I was a little younger, it would mean a little more. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I do have that nostalgia there, and, uh, you know, I, I like it as a bit of both. I can see both points. I can see how it is, 
so bad it's good. I mean, the whole, you know, I mean, alcoholism isn't funny, but in this film, it, it is one of the more laughable things in the film. Mm. Uh, you know, how much to make a point of it. Um, Kurt randomly being a racist, you know, things like that. It just seems very odd. Um, you know, it it is it has one of those laughable moments, but I mean, for me, there's is intense moments as well. Um, you know, I, I do appreciate the horror side of it as well. Um, I think it's very rewatchable. I've watched it countless times now. Um, yeah, no, I I enjoy it. I gave it a four out of five on Letterboxd. I know you gave it slightly less. Uh, well, I on Letterboxd gave it a two. Um, four out of ten on IMDb. Um, yeah, I, my my faults with this film and it, it's it feels so long and then there's it feels like there's a lot of filler in there and um i understand now why they cut away from these intense scenes but it does take you out of the film when it's like that when you sit there and watch it as one whole um feature length film Mm. without commercials there's the cutaways from those intense moments, I think, takes away from it. And it makes... And I just thought too many elements were a bit funny. Do you think this could benefit from a remake? Um, no. Really? I think mm. it could. I, I don't feel like an over-the-top remake, something with, like, big special effects or anything like that. But, I mean, maybe something a little more subtle and shorter... Because it's a good concept. The thing is, it's, would, would they modernise it? I don't know. I mean, even if they remade it as, as if it was made in like the 80s, like the original, or the 90s. I mean, I personally preferred the whole... The daughter's birthday setting rather to the Thanksgiving thing, if I'm honest. Mm. I, I think if they remade it as, you know, Rosie's birthday, like that in the original, um, I went down that line and took some of the things from the later one, I think they could, I think it could be quite good. I mean, I don't think it's not even planned, but I mean, if anyone was ever to do it, I think it would, uh, it would probably benefit from one. Do you think... So found... I think they could make it scarier. Yeah. Do you think the found footage element would work? Yeah, absolutely. Now. And that's why I think this does work. I think the found footage side of it is why it works. If that was a standard horror film, then it wouldn't stand out. Because as much as, even if you enjoy it or don't enjoy it, you've got to admit, it stands out because it's ahead of its time. Yeah, anything that's the first of its kind has to get some credit. Yeah. Um, you know, it does it always work first time? Well, no, not really. Well, the original is the first found footage film because, I mean, I know you've got Cannibal Holocaust in the 80s, but 1980, but... That's, you know, interwined between actual film. So even though it uses it and it's very effective, it's probably some of the most effective use of found footage, it's only used partially in that film. Mm. This first UFO abduction, you know, what sent everyone so crazy about it was because it was the first of its kind. Mm. There was nothing else like that. Yeah, and credit always has to be given for thinking outside the box and pushing boundaries. Does that make it a great film? Well, not really. <laughs> but, I mean, how do you think this may have uh, influenced the Blair Witch directors? Or do you think it did at all? Do you think they've seen that? Because um, it's quite interesting. Did that they this... not come out the same year? No. 
no, Blair Witch came out a year after, so they may have been making it around the same time, or maybe just after. You think maybe the the original of yeah. this maybe influenced them? Uh, maybe even the remake. Um, Depends when the Blair Witch Project was filmed. I'm not really sure if it maybe did influence. Because it was the only thing, that and Ghostwatch, we know Ghostwatch did, because I think the directors actually gave that a mention. Mm. Um so yeah, no, it's an interesting one. Which I mean, you look if we do actually do a found footage episode eventually, and we can look further into that then. But yeah. I think there's something that's worth looking into. I think I think Blowitch deals with the found footage element differently. Obviously, they're filming to make a documentary about the Blair Witch, whereas this dude Tommy in Alien Abduction is just kind of filming. To be a music video director. To be a music video director. <laughs> oh, just, just filming for the sake of it, you know. And maybe if if it was real life, he would have just put the camera down at one point and end the film. Yeah. I think we were, I can't imagine having to run it, because I'm sure back in 1998 the, the cameras were quite bulky, um, you know. If if you're fearing for your life, maybe uh, the camera's just weighing you down a little bit. <laughs> well, that is Alien Abduction. Yeah. Uh, thank you for the recommendation, Xander. Uh, it was great to talk about it. If you are listening on iTunes, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, like and follow on Everything House. It's uh, it'd be great if you could just you know if you enjoy what you listen to, spread the word. Um, yeah, next week, uh, another Thanksgiving episode, we have a request from Ryan, who is from the Movie So Bad The Group podcast, uh, Movie So Bad The Group? Movie So, <laughs> fuck say, Movie So Bad They're Good podcast, um, he requested that we talk about Home Sweet Home, so we've got a slasher film next week. Yes. Uh, Very looks... excited for this one, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I mean, this is your choice of request. Is it meant to be shit? It's got a 3.2. Ooh. Oh, okay. So this is going to be Trash to Peace side. Oh, yeah. And I love cheesy 80s slasher Trash to Pieces. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, give us a follow on Instagram, Gasmo205, Twitter, GasCruise92. And I'm ChrisBarker823 on Instagram and Twitter. And that is it. Don't drink too much wine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll see you same time, same place again next week. Bye.